Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. I pray that God will help us to comprehend these things that we're going to be talking about. First of all, let me say this. There is a shift, if I may say, apostolically speaking, from just being a pastor as a chief executive officer to that of a pastor that leads shepherd. There is a shift from being a CEO to that of a lead shepherd. You know what a chief executive officer is? Do you know what that means? You have that in companies. Who is the CEO? Means who is the chief executive officer. And you know the attitude of a CEO in an establishment is the boss. But there's a big shift from being a boss to a lead shepherd presently. Amen? Understand this. That the Bible is not a business book to be used to garner information on how to run a successful business in the world. But it's a book that is meant to be lived out by the one handling it. Hallelujah. The Bible intend us, intends us to live out what we see and what we are reading. It's not a book for information gathering. It is about life. Hallelujah. The emphasis is shifting from just being pastors that looks like chaplains for non-missionary ship to lead shepherd who personally shepherd why you look at do you, know, do you know chaplains have you heard about chaplains before chaplains have no business with the people other than go dish the word that's chaplainship you know what I'm talking about uh-huh. you can have chaplains in the war front chaplains in these chaplains in that all they do is go there and give the information to the people, pray for the people, and they're gone. No, 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 no. That is not shepherding. You are not a chaplain. Do you understand that? A shepherd has more contact with the sheep that is leading. Chaplain do not really know much about the people they are ministering to. I'm sorry to say. Hallelujah. So we're talking about shepherds who are emerging today that create systems of care for the church at large. Chaplains don't care for the people they minister to. But shepherds, imagine shepherds of today are the people that are creating systems for the care of the church they are ministering to. 
That's the big difference between you and the chaplain. You know, the chaplains, for instance, that works with the military, they just pray for them. They go into the war front, they pray for them. You know what I'm talking about? Just pray, pray, pray for the people. Well, you go, come back. Even if you die, we bury you. That's, that's how they go. But you are not a chaplain in the true sense. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. Get it right. But when we're talking about leadership in terms of being a shepherd, we're talking about you being in contact with your sheep. You know more of the welfare of your sheep as compared to just being a chaplain. Amen? Now, I'm going to read a scripture here. First of all, you need to understand, I've said this in previous studies or previous messages, you are not a volunteer. How many of you remember that? You are not a volunteer. You must understand that. And if you understand that you are chosen for the job you are doing by someone, then you're going to be more diligent and more responsible to the one that chosen you. Because it is not only based on your qualities that he chose you. You have to understand. Not that you are the most brilliant of all gods. That's why he chose you. You must understand. But this is a choice God made. Let's look at Jeremiah 3 verse 15. Jeremiah 3 verse 15. The Bible says, And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you, emphasis, with knowledge and understanding. I will give you pastors which shall feed you. I will give you. It is God-given. Now, if it is God-given, that means it is God that chose you. Because one thing is certain. He trusts that you can be able to deliver knowledge and understanding to the people he's sending you to. Let me begin by saying, don't fail God who chose you. How knowledgeable are your people? The reason he's sending you to the people is that you might deliver knowledge and understanding to them. How knowledgeable is your congregation? That's where we should start from. I will give you pastors of my own heart. That means he sought you out from amongst men and he felt you were qualified. Don't make God think he made a mistake. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. Hallelujah. This is, this is God speaking to Saul. You remember the story? But now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. The Lord hath sought a man after his own heart. Now he's talking about David. 
and I have made him captain. So again, understand that you are leading people is because God made you a captain over them. I'm come to a salient statement. I'm going to make it loud and clear. Get this right. Let's not forget. You don't own a ship. It's God that owns them. So mind how you handle the people. I will make him captain over my people. Over my ship. You don't own one. Hey. You as a shepherd of God's ship, I want to repeat, you don't own the ship. Can I give you an example? Moses was a shepherd of Jethro's ship. Moses never owned one. But he was a shepherd. How many of you understand that? David was a shepherd over Jesse's ship. David owned none. Jacob was a shepherd over Laban's ship. It was when he was living, he started having his own. Are you getting that? Now he had shepherd to shepherd his sheep. So you don't own anybody. You must first understand that so that you don't abuse the sheep of the owner. Are you getting that? Hmm. What could be some of the reasons why God chose you? Look at the book of Psalm 78 verse 70. Remember for Samuel, he said, I've chosen a man after my own heart. Let's look at something here. Psalm 78 verse 70. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. From following the air with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. 72, the key. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. The heart of a true shepherd. So if there is one major reason God will want to choose you, it's because of the integrity of your heart. Do you have that? Hallelujah. The integrity of the heart of David. He shepherds the people with the integrity of his heart. And all of that, he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Qualities that God requires to have made a choice of you. Hallelujah. In other words, God will look at the nation and say, I want my people to be shepherds because I'm going to make you see why God really looks for people. I want my people to be shepherds. And he looked for somebody who's got integrity in his hand and skillful. If you have to be skillful, then you're going to be skillful in the word of God. Are you done with me? It is on the basis of your skillfulness with the word of God that you can deliver knowledge and understanding. Reason because if knowledge and understanding is not delivered to the people, scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
So to save the people, he sent you to be able to deliver knowledge to the people so that they cannot be destroyed. Let me take this from the message. Message translation, Psalm 78, verse 70. Then he chose David his servant and picked him from his work in the sheep pens. One day he was caring for the eggs and the lambs. The next day God had him shepherding Jacob, his people, Israel, his prized possession. Who was Israel? God's prized possession. Not David's own. His good heart made him a good shepherd. He guided the people wisely and well. That's your responsibility. Are you sitting with me? Integrity is the key thing. And that word integrity from Psalm 8 actually means completeness, prosperity, innocence. Full of integrity. It means perfection. And it means simplicity. To be simple. When you remove simplicity from your leadership, you become a chief executive officer. Are you getting that? But God didn't call you to be a chief executive officer. He called you to be a shepherd leader. The hard integrity of heart and simple enough to relate to the sheep that he shepherded. Hallelujah. Turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And verse 3. The voice, the voice of the shepherd is so vital. The Bible said to him, the porter opened it, talking about the sheep, and the sheep hear his voice, and he called his own sheep by name and leaded them out. The Bible is making us understand when it says, my sheep hear my voice. It means every true shepherd has an identifiable voice. How identifiable is your voice to your flock? Are you still there? My sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. The voice of stranger they will not hear. How identifiable is your voice to your flock? Hallelujah. Now, that tells you something. You don't run on the strength of other people's voices. It will become confusing to the sheep. Are you sitting there with me? You don't run ministry on other people's voices. It will be so confusing to the sheep. 
that they will miss their track in looking for the green pasture. <laughs> Are you still there with me? Are you getting this? How identifiable is your voice to your flock? Very vital. Very, very vital. How identifiable? Can your people truly identify your voice in any matter? And it's not just about the sound, but the content of that which you speak. The content of that which you believe. If messages have been broadcast, can your member identify you? One way that can be done is this. If my pastor or my leader were to be handling this subject, this is not the way we handle it. Identifiable voice. I know he won't speak this way. Why? Because you know your voice. Do you have an identifiable voice? That's the question. Because there are several voices going on. Many voices are all over the air. But can your sheep identify your voice and follow? Hallelujah. Let's look at a few things. The characteristics of a true shepherd. Shepherd hearts. Characteristics of a true shepherd heart. Jesus showed us one of the major qualities of his shepherd's heart. Let's look at the book of Mark chapter 6 verse 34. Mark 6 verse 34. And it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them. Underline that. Moved with compassion because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Listen, this is one of the major reasons God calls people. This is one of the major reasons God called you and I. Because as it were, it's like the whole world is without shepherd. They lack leadership. Hallelujah. And once people lack leadership, based on understanding, they become victims to every situation and circumstance. But for you to be able to stand out to do what God has asked you to do, you must have a compassionate heart. A shepherd without compassion cannot truly shepherd the sheep. Because the sheep can be very rebellious and stubborn. But this compassion is based on the fact that they have no leaders. Hallelujah. So the compassion of Jesus showed us something that we are all very vulnerable in this world. To having the need of a shepherd. And reminds us how needy majority of people are in the world. That need oversight and spiritual maturity. 
A lot of people need oversight and spiritual maturity. It is your responsibility to mature the people. That is what knowledge and understanding does. I've always said this, and I'll say it again. Man did not fall because he wasn't praying. Now, I'm not against prayers. Man did not fall because there was no all-night program. Man did not fall because there was no service going on. It was none of these things that make man to fall. Man fell because of knowledge. So for man to be restored, you need knowledge. Now, if you think that is not true, I give it to you from the scriptures. Colossians 3 verse 10. You didn't fall because you were not praying. You didn't fall because there was no pastor in the Garden of Eden. No, you didn't fall because there was no five-fold ministry. The five-fold ministry are meant to assist you to recover from delusion. So if your ministry is deluding people more, you better quit and leave the folk of God. Look at this. Bible says, and I put on the new man, which is what? Renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You are renewed in knowledge after. In other words, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. So man left the likeness and the image of God because he partook of the knowledge of good and evil. So for you to be restored, you go back to knowledge. Therefore, I will give them pastors out of my own heart that shall feed them with knowledge and understanding that they might become the image and likeness of God again. Don't mix it. This job is not because of what you can get out of it. <laughs> it's to mature people and to care for them. Because as Jesus saw the people, they were without sheep. I mean, they were like sheep without shepherd. And they had compassion on them. When you look at people, what, what do you feel? What do you think? Hallelujah. Let's move on just a little bit. Let me talk about your commission. Your commission. What are you really commissioned to do? We will not read all of that, but you're going to write it down. You know it. Just write down John 21, 15, 16, 17. Hmm? Write them down. And 1 Peter 2, verse, verse 1 Peter 5, verse 2. And, and let me say it now. You know the story there when you go there. In uh, John 21, 15, 16, 17. Remember what Jesus wrote from the grave. But he did tell Peter. Peter loved thou me more than this. Peter said, no, he said, to do what? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. How many of you remember that? Feed is the word. Your commission is to do what? Feed. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What are you feeding there with? You feeding there with knowledge and understanding. Hallelujah. 
Look at that. So then when he had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Love thou me more than this? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. You go to the never say, Feed my sheep. You go down again, say, Feed my sheep. There's a difference between sheep and lamb. In terms of maturity, We have the younger sheep, we have the older ones. Lamb and sheep, they are not the same. Your ministry must take care of the whole structure of the people, no matter the age. I will come to that. The only one will come to speaking languages that people cannot understand. Not against speaking, you know, but where people will have to get dictionary to understand what they are saying. You need to help yourself and help the people. Hallelujah. Feed. Let's take a look now from... Now, Peter said the same thing in First Peter chapter 5, verse number 2. You look at it, you see that. I'm going to read it much later, but let's just move on to what Paul said. So, Jesus said the same thing. Um, I mean, Jesus said it, Peter said it, and Paul said it. This is more than double witness. At the amount of two or three witness shall every case be established. What is the base of your commission to feed people? Not to rip them off. To feed people. Not to confuse them. To feed people. With knowledge. Hallelujah. Let's look at Paul writing to. Okay, here is it. Feed the flock of God. Right? Which is among you. Taking the oversight, therefore. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for feed the local, but for what? Of a ready mind. I'll bring that out properly later. But let's go to Acts chapter 20. The key word is feed. Not storytelling, feed. No, 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 no. Feed. Somebody in the... Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> when people come to your services, are they taking notes? Because you see, when you are telling stories, there is nothing to write about. No, nothing. When there is no revelation in that which I have even read before, there is nothing to jot down. You come and be telling stories, how you travel, how many miracles have happened. Is that what they want to write down and take back home? Hallelujah. Act 20, 28. Are you there? Look at what he said. Act 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To feed the church of God, which he has purchased with what? His own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves entering among you, not sparing the flocks. This is not caring now, not sparing. And you know what that means. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. As if we are seeing this happening today. All manner of ministries going on. 
just to draw men to themselves, not to Christ. And they use perverse languages. We'll deal with that in the second section. To draw men to themselves. Manipulative prophecies that did not originate from the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. 28, like we've just read. Okay. That is fed the flock in the way the Holy Ghost that made you overseers. So number one, it is the Holy Spirit that made you overseers. Is that okay? All right. Now, the word overseer is the same thing as the word bishop. Now, the bishop actually is the one who kind of examines into the spiritual state of the flock of God. That's the bishop. It is care to lead them in and out and to find them pastures. Is that okay? That is basically the role of the bishop. He examines the sheep to know their state. He takes them out and brings them in. That's the role of the bishop. Now you must understand that the person that gave you the appointment is the Holy Spirit. He said, feel the flock of God. Right? Is it there? If which the Holy Ghost has made you, is the Holy Ghost that made you. So your appointment is from the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. Sure, you can be ordained in a church, but primarily you are called by God and ordained by God. If you come to the issue of the fivefold ministry, you can't be ordained by man as an apostle or as a prophet or as a teacher, as an evangelist, you can't. If you look at this, Somebody once asked me, Pastor David, what about what happened in the book of Acts chapter 13? That was a confirmation of all the Spirit witnessed to them that this is who they are. You can discover who you are in the church service, but the church cannot make you who you are. Jeremiah 1, the Bible says, Before I formed thee in your mother's womb, I called you as a prophet. It was not anointing oil that made Jeremiah a prophet. Apostle Paul was ordained from his mother's womb. Galatians 1. Are you getting that? The church can only confirm what is seen you and bring you to a place of declaration or confirmation so that the rest of the people can recognize what is in your life and respect the grace that you carry. You find that with Basilea. In the book of Exodus 31, 35, you can read that. 30, 35. The Bible says, I have called Basilea and I put my spirit in him. And then Moses took him to the congregation and said, God said, I have called Basilea. It was not Moses that called him. It was God that called him. But Moses confirmed him to the congregation so that they can accept his ministry. Ordination is for people to accept your ministry. Mean the presbytery are only to recognize what is in your life for the congregation to accept what is your ministry by laying hands on you. 
but they can't make you a prophet or an apostle. The Holy Ghost. How many of you understand that? Praise the Lord. So, everybody hold you and make you overseer. This is because the Holy Spirit qualifies you and you are not set apart by elders. I mean, you are not set apart by elders according to his will, according to the will of the Holy Spirit. That is what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 13. When they say, separate ye me, Paul and Barnabas. Who was talking? Was it the elders? <laughs> separate ye me, Paul and Barnabas. For the which cause that I have called them. Who was talking? The Holy Spirit was talking. So it's not a choice of lots. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because even the man that was brought in by Lot, we can't find any record about him. When Judas fell, it was by Lord that Barnabas came in. We didn't know anything about Barnabas now. <laughs> Is anybody there? Jesus called to him. Judas was there. When he fell, the church said, let's use Lord. And Barnabas replaced Judas. But that is where he ended. When he was replaced, that was the end of his ministry. <laughs> Matthias, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about. Amen? Okay, so let's move on. Now he says, I want to analyze a few things here. To take it to the church, that is to instruct, to teach, and to guide it. Take it to the church to quit the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. What is he saying? To instruct, to teach, and to guide the church. And then to guard. Guide and guard. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You lead and you protect. From enemies. Who are those enemies? The wolves. That you find in verse 29. I know after my departure, grievous wolves shall come in. So, it is the overseer's responsibility to guide and to guide. Against the wolf. Now, you are not even guiding them. No, listen, listen. People need to get this right. Your fear is not the so-called devil. Your fear is the wolf in sheep clothing. The enemy of the church is not the devil. The enemy of the church are the sheep, I mean the wolves in sheep clothing. The Holy Spirit say, guard against these people. Not against whatever you have imagined your head to be called the devil. You fear the devil more than you fear the wolves. In sheep clothing, think twice. Hallelujah. Number two, take it to all the flock. You know when you say, after taking heed, I don't know if it's this place now. Take it therefore unto yourself and to all the flock. All the flock. What does that mean? The rich and the poor. The lame and the weak. All the flock. Not some people. All the flock. Are you seeing it there? <laughs> Ministry is not partiality based on financial status. It is all the flock. Are you still there with me? 
you can't love some people more than others because of their financial status. <laughs> you take here to take care of the church and then all, not some. Your visitation should not be colored because of the influence of some people. No. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is the duty of the minister to seek to promote the welfare of each individual under their charge. Not to pass by the poor because they are poor and not to be afraid of rich because they are rich. When a rich man commits an offense, do you respond as compared to when the man that doesn't have money commits an offense in your church? The Bible says all the flock, they have equal rights to your care. Hallelujah. Do you, do you even base your appointment into leadership because of the influence certain people are having? Is that why you bring them into position? What qualifies a man to come into position is the ability in the man. Capacity that the person carries. Hallelujah. Are you still there? So, a shepherd regards the interests of the weakest of the fold as much as the strongest. And a faithful minister will seek to advance the interests of all. Take care of all the flock. And for you to do that, you must know the flock. Amen? You must know their characters, you must know their weakness, you must know their strength. You've got to know. Hallelujah. You must know when they are getting into trouble and how to get them out of trouble. It is your role. Hallelujah. Number three. To feed actually means, I mean, that word is very important. Probably applies to the care which a shepherd exercises over his flock. It's not just the act of feeding the flock, but the doubt of protecting, like I said in the beginning, guiding and guarding. So here it donates properly the instruction that the leader gives to the church. But above all, it means of governing the church. You do not only teach, you also govern the church as a geo, the overseer, the shepherd. You also govern the church. Praise the living God. And above all, like I said before, Act 2029, 20, to secure them from the hands of the enemies. Who may come in with all manner. Don't forget. I think one of the ways by which this is properly done is when you shall have properly taught your people and now they know your voice, they recognize your voice. If a wolf comes in, the voice of stranger, they will not follow. Hallelujah. 
So why do we have to go into all of this? Why is the Holy Spirit giving this instruction? Because like we said before, the church is bought with his own blood. Is that okay? He's concerned because he paid the price for the church. And no man will want to allow his or her property to be messed up. So when a man comes to the place of trying to abuse the church, Jesus takes challenges. He feels the pain. When Paul was persecuting the church, can you remember what he told him? Why persecuted thou me? He didn't say the church. Me. Because the head of the church and where is body. Hallelujah. So the church had to protect her from all kind of things. Now, I'll show you something again. Why do you think the deacons were appointed in Acts chapter 6? Because there was a need. Isn't it? A need arose. The need arose. So basically then, the pastors must be flock-focused. By developing leaders who can be sheep focused. The pastor of the church must be the flock focus. And in so doing, he developed leaders who in turn become the sheep focus. Because the apostles found that there was a need, they raised Dickens. You are not raising the king so that they don't run away from your church. No, no, no. You see, that's what we do today. People come in because, I mean, we don't want them to leave. Maybe they have some little resources. The next two months, we ordain them deacons because we don't want them to go. That's not the purpose for ordaining deacons. People have not even served up to one year. You make them deacons. It was for the purpose of a need in the church that Dickens arose. To feed those people you met Dickens, how regular are they in services? Who are they feeding? How are they caring for the flock? Hallelujah. From that same passage, we pick number five. We must even travel in bed to Christ before the people. Galatians 4.19 My little children who are traveling bad pain all the Christ they formed in you. What is your interest? Is it what the flock can give to you or that Christ they formed in them? We're looking at the heart of a true shepherd. Is it Christ you are actually intending to deposit and to cause to grow in the people you are shepherding or it is what they can produce that's why you're shepherding them. Paul said, I'm traveling in bed until Christ be formed in you. That's an apostolic spirit. Don't forget what we're coming from. I told you, we're shifting from being just a CEO to an apostolic type of leadership. And one of the things that an apostle does is to ensure that Christ is truly formed in the people he's shepherding. Why? So that they're not tossed to and fro. But every slight of the 
craftiness and the wife of men that lies in wait to deceive. The problem is still nothing but what? Deception. And if Satan is the, is the founder of deception and lies, then I'm bold to say that there are a lot of pastors who are working for Satan. Because they have succeeded more to deceive the church. Hallelujah. Let's take number six. We're looking at some of those things that you're supposed to do. Your commissions and stuff. Jeremiah 3, we read it before. Let's look at verse 14. Hallelujah. Turn, O backsliding children, say the Lord. For I'm married unto you, God is speaking. Married to the church. And I will take you one of a city and two of a family and I will bring you to Zion. In other words, I'm going to get you out of captivity. And I will give you pastors, according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and what? Understanding. And it shall come to pass, when ye be multiplied and increase in the land in those days, say the Lord, they shall say no more. The ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it come to mind, neither they will remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. Why? When you have men who truly can teach truth to people, they become the epistles of Christ. They become living epistles. So by the time they are fed with true knowledge, they will not be thinking about the ark anymore. What is in there? The laws. Are you sitting there with me? In other words, our ministry do away and we truly erase every mentality of the law of Moses. That Christ be truly formed in the people. And not just that. It produces increase when you increase in the land. No man will remember the ark anymore. Because now they shall be fed with knowledge and understanding. We become living epistles. That is what God is intending people to come into. Paul will say, do I need letter of commendation or recommendation again for me to preach? The answer says no. Say you are what? My epistles. Now if you check that word epistle in the Greek, it's actually saying a superimposition. You know what that means? As the camera, you take a picture and you snap again another picture. You can be seeing the other picture maybe very faint at the background, but the last one you snap is the one you see. A superimposition. But what he's saying is you are my superimposition. Now people can see you. That's what epistle means. How many people have you been able to raise to the place of being referred to as the superimposition of Christ? This superimposition is not, you see, it's like saying, I superimpose you on Christ. By implication, when people see you, they see Christ. So I don't need a letter of recommendation. What it means to say, you know, before you preach in the ethnic states and stuff like that, the Greek world, you have to have a letter of recommendation because. They were so intelligent. 
and they don't imagine you coming to talk to the people. That's why on the Mount of Arupagos, they said, who is this babbler that has come? What has he got to say? In other words, can he speak to Greek people? That's why they were referring to him as a babbler. Because for, you know, people who stayed under Socrates and Chimedes, you come in to talk to them. What do you got? Say, who is this babbler? And he said, oh, I saw that you are very religious. Acts 17. As I was passing by, I saw a God. I mean, an altar erected to the unknown God. That God I've come to show you. Are you sure? To the unknown God? Now we've got to listen to you. You tell us something we don't know. Do you understand it? In witnessing, you start from the known to the unknown. Are you still there with me? You don't argue. You just let them know that they don't know as much as you do. Using their own foundation or belief. So, we are becoming super imposition. In other words, by the preaching of and the teaching of your messages, Christ is being formed. So, when people look at the people, they are not seeing Christ anymore. They are seeing them in Christ or Christ in them. Look at what he said. I in you, you with me. Is that okay? Superimposition. So when you teach the people, this thing is forgotten. Now, Jeremiah 23. Let me see if I can try to pack off from this one. Long reading here. Jeremiah 23. Let me just take this scripture. I think it's important. Verse 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroyed it and scattered the sheep of my pasture, see the Lord. Therefore, thus said the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit you. The evil of your doings, said the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them. And I will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. You know why he's saying this? He is the one that was responsible for sending the people away because they were not walking according to light. And that was because the pastors failed to do what they were supposed to do. So in his anger, he scattered them. But he said, no, 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 no. I think I made a mistake. It's like saying, I should have scattered the people. I should get you out of there and get somebody else. Verse 4 says, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more. Hallelujah. Nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So when your people are fed, three things happen. Fear is taken away. Lack is taken away. No intimidation. Man who truly stays under your ministry, we have no cause to be afraid of somebody coming to kill them. Hallelujah. So provision, both physical and spiritual, it comes to the flock through the learning, I mean the teaching of the pastor. Amen? Okay. Let's try to finish. I don't know how far we've gone. We still have up to 10 minutes. Take it and let me know. All right. Let's look at now the qualities of a true shepherd's heart. I just spoke about the commission as it were. But now the qualities of a true shepherd's heart. While there are many wolves in sheep clothing, there are also a few true shepherds who can be trusted. So, what does a shepherd heart, I mean, shepherd with a true heart, look like? That's what I want to look at here. We we'll quickly go to, I'm not going to read all of the chapters, but you go to Ezekiel 34. 
That's where God took the children of, I mean, the shepherd of Israel to tax. In Ezekiel 34, you may find time to read all of that passage because it's very important. I remember sometimes certain things were going on and Maxwell, first of all, spoke to me and um, I wasn't, I didn't kind of pay attention. Then in the night, the Lord woke me up and asked me to read this passage. That day, I changed my mind. I called Maxwell, I said, you're right. We've got to restructure. God is more concerned about the flock than you. Because you are a shepherd, you don't own the sheep. Is that okay? He will pay you for your job. But he's not going to trade the sheep for your headiness. No, 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 no. He will choose to get you out and get somebody else. Don't lose your church. If you look at the whole of that passage, friend 2 and 3, it says, good shepherd will feed the flock. Like we find in verse 2 and 3. The shepherd of Israel rebuked for feeding themselves at the expense of the sheep. But true shepherd makes sure that the sheep are provided for. Is that okay? What we see today is what made God to rebuke Israel. We feed ourselves at the expense of the sheep. Hallelujah. Can you, can you have a meeting where at the end of the day you do not raise offering? I mean, what I mean is raise fund. Is it possible for you to have a meeting without raising fund? No, ask yourself. David said, you prepare me a table in the presence of my enemies. Is that okay? It means you are supposed to feed the people. You are supposed to feed the people. He leaded me into green pastures, he says. Going by that passage, I will say this number two. A true shepherd will make sure that the church is spiritually fed by the word of the Lord. This often takes hard work as he labors in the word and doctrine. You can look at 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. Say, let the elders rule. Who rule? Well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the world and doctrine. Who labor in the world and doctrine. God showed you where to labor. I've seen two labors in scriptures that I can really, really want to think about. Labor in drought and laboring to enter into his rest. For the ministers, labor in the world and doctrine. What is the time you spend on the world? Hallelujah. Listen, when you have come to the place of truly and having labor in the world and doctrine, Anywhere you find yourself, you can answer whoever asks you a question. Anywhere. That's why you have to be in season and out of season. People don't ask you questions. That's why you are very relaxed. After you finish preaching, nobody talks to you about it. Nobody. Even when you quote scriptures wrong, nobody answers you. That's why you are relaxed. But if you have a congregation 
that they will turn around to say, with all respect, that D, that scripture you quoted, it's like, eh? if you can have people like that, you will sit up. Are you following me? Number three, shepherd must not only spoon feed the lambs, they must also teach the older sheep to feed themselves. Remember what Jesus was speaking to, to Peter? Feed my lamb, then feed my sheep, feed my sheep. John 21. You, you, you see, you have people say, I don't, I don't like preaching hard messages. I don't like preaching. No, 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 no. You see, the church is not a place where you spoon feed them every day. You must allow them to grow to the point where they can chew the word by themselves. Praise the Lord. I love one of my youths came to my office early this year and gave me an article he made on the lake of fire. No, no, no. The book of life. I was blown out of my mind. Shook his hand and said, thank you so much. Now I know I'm feeding people. Now I know revelation is entering. Now I know you are tapping into the spirit. Praise the Lord. You go to meetings, you go to churches, and you do five hours of dancing, 15 minutes of the word. As if you turn the place to a clubhouse. Those who labor in the word and in doctrine can't tell worthy of double honor. Hallelujah. The next thing. A good shepherd makes sure that the flocks are fed according to their spiritual ability. What does not feed stick to babies? And then feed bones? You know, you, 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 you kind of, sometimes you, you, you want to give bones to babies and feed milk to adults. No, 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 no. You feed according to the spiritual ability of the people. Hallelujah. A good shepherd breaks the world into manageable pieces for the different people to be able to receive it. Again, from that passage in Ezekiel 34, a true shepherd strengthens the weak Heal the sick, bind up the brokenhearted. Do you have concern for your flock? For those who have issues, how do you treat them? God is watching. Hallelujah. The heart of a true shepherd is specially manifested in the way he deals with those who are weak, those who are sick, those who are brokenhearted, and those who are struggling. How do you, have you looked at your congregation? Do you see the people, various issues, different issues? How do you handle them? How have you been handling them? That is where we really find out that you're a true shepherd. What is your heart like towards your people? The weak, the brokenhearted, those who are struggling with life. How do you treat them? 
Praise the Lord. Wolves have no time for people who are needy. They just say that he had come for those who are sick. Jesus himself rather says, he has come for those who are sick that he might heal the brokenhearted. Luke 4, 18. Is that okay? But wolves who come sin, Acts chapter 20, 29, they have no time. If you are a sick man, if you have a problem, they don't want to listen, they don't want to talk to you. They have no time. These are wolves. If you can't provide your names, it's not in the good books. That's not the heart of a true shepherd. Hallelujah. Jesus' ministry, if you watch it, was drawn more to the outcast in the society. Not the bourgeois. Have you noticed that? He was drawn more to the outcast. Those people that were neglected. How many of you remember I told you before? That Jesus' ministry actually started with youth. Remember that? For those who have been following, you remember that. The oldest man among him, among them, was supposed to be John. I mean, Peter. Peter was 18 years, but the rest were between 12 and 17. I have my record I can show you. Time is not there. Go listen to other cities. He started with youth, was a youth minister. They all grew together. He had to wait till 30 years because according to the book of Leviticus, you can't go into ministry as a priest until you are 30. But that's not when he started ministry. He started ministry when he was 12 and grew with his people. It was among the people he has already recruited that he made apostles. But most of the people that he took to himself are the people that the Pharisees rejected. And so they said they were illiterate. Now the illiterate, he turned to mighty men. We read that in the morning. I will make you fishers of men. Peter went into fishing because he could not follow a Pharisee because he don't qualify to have a rabbi. And if you're not qualified to have a rabbi as your master, you go to your father's business. So Andrew and all that went into fishing with their father's business because no rabbi could take them to be their disciple. Jesus went to collect all the people that people rejected and make them mighty men. Let him be my example. You see people who God may have called to certain localities, they live there and go to Abuja. Because that's where you have people in Asorok. that can give one tight and you can be thinking of your own private jet. Why not you turn people? You need a Davidic anointing. You know a Davidic anointing? Turning ignorant poor people into mighty men. That is the Davidic anointing. You make men, not the people that are made. Hallelujah. So again, you meet the needs of every structure of people in your church. Praise the Lord. The same as you at verse 16, the Lord says, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Wow. You will need to put that on the board for them. Ezekiel 34, 16. I will destroy the fat and the strong. Who are the fat and the strong? The shepherd who abused the flock. 
with the authority and tyrannize the flock of God. I will judge them. Praise the living God. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Very important, and we should be closing in this section. Read these two scriptures and we're done. 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Take it from the message. Translation. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. Go, right, 24. Are you there? We are not in charge of how you live out the faith. Listen and listen very well. Looking over your shoulders, suspiciously critical. We are partners walking alongside you, joyfully expectant. I know that you stand by your own faith, not by ours. Don't turn people into puppets in the name of being a pastor. They can't make decisions of their own. They are not in contact with the Holy Spirit. You are the only one that decides whatever they can ever do. That is no ministry. We are not in charge of your faith. For faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your assignment is to bring them before the Father. Let them have the opportunity of talking to God by themselves. This is why we have all manner of fake prophecies going on. In order to be able to manipulate and control the people so that they can never do anything without your decision. That's no ministry. We have no charge over your faith. Because your faith is in Christ. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. No manipulation. No undue control. People should be free to live as Christ sees on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? Final scripture, 1 Peter 5. Let's read this. Very interesting. And uh, I want us to take it from the message as well. <laughs> Very interesting. Look at this. I'm summarizing now. All that I've said is summarized by Peter. First Peter 5, and then we start reading from verse number 1. What did he say? I have a special concern for the church leaders. And I'm just saying what Peter said. Okay, let it be, I'm repeating what Peter said. But I'm saying this. I know what it's like to be a leader. Why is Peter saying this? Because in John 21, Jesus told him, feed my sheep. So he said, I know what it means to be a leader. Are you there with me? Okay. In, on Christ's suffering as well as in coming to glory. Here is my concern that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of what? Of a shepherd. Not because you have to, but because you want to please God. Hallelujah. Because you want to please God, not because you have to. 
So you're not doing it because of, well, what do I do? No, no, no. no. Because you have to please God who called you as a leader. Not calculating what you will get out of it. And that is critical. Why are you doing ministry? You're calculating what you're going to get out of ministry. Started not up to four years. You are, you are, you are imagining the type that somebody who is there for 50 years already gets it. And so you want to try to multiply your number so that you can get as much as that guy is getting. Not calculating what you will get. Scripture says, they that compare themselves with one another, they be not wise. If a man is not a wise man, then he's a fool. Hallelujah. Not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously. Not bossily telling others what to do. Listen, Peter is saying, I know what it means to be a leader. So, you summarize everything we said before, that's why we're summarizing now. Not bossily, not the chief executive officer, not using. Not a boss. We are talking of shepherds. Not bossily telling others what to do. But tenderly showing them the way. Verse 4. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he will see that you've done it right and, com and commend you lavishly. Verse 5. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. But all of you leaders and followers alike are to be down to earth with each other. For God has it. I mean, God had it with what? With the proud. But take delight in just plain people. It takes delight in plain, simple people. And that is, remember, the integrity of heart we say in the book of Psalm. Simplicity. God loves them. But he hates the proud. Now, who are the proud people talking to here? Leaders. Hallelujah. And not of our proud, we want to manipulate people, we want to control people. But God is calling our attention today that we need to begin to have the spirit of a true shepherd. And that is summarized for us in the book of First Peter, right here that we're reading. Praise the living God. May God help us. In Jesus' name. For further information and message order, please call plus 234 803 Or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net. God bless you.